Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today... As always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss Nick Sirianni and the Eagles' COVID-19 reserve list, the historic running game. We'll recap the, the win over Washington, and we'll also preview the matchup against the Giants for Sunday and what the Eagles need to do to avenge their previous loss against the Giants. But before we do that, Chris, how are you doing today? Not too bad, man. You know, on the way in, I heard new additions Christmas all over the world. You know, it's two days before there. And uh, yeah, it's not bad at all, man. How about yourself? Can't complain. You know, um, drinking some coffee out of a mug. You know, with the Christmas season coming up and, and Merry Christmas to you in advance, but also Merry Christmas to our audience. Happy holidays for those who don't celebrate Christmas like yours truly. But uh you know, I was in the drive-through lane uh, at Dunkin', and I, anyone who knows me knows that I am a an iced coffee drinker. I do not drink hot coffee. Hot coffee does not interest me. Um, they screwed up my order and gave me a large uh, hot coffee. And since it was the holidays, I thought, you know what? Why? You know, I'm I'm the type of person that doesn't like. I mean, you've been out to dinner with me. If somebody gets it wrong, I'll just go with the flow, right? Like. I, I hate mayonnaise and I hate tuna. Those are the two things like I just can't ingest. But other than that, like I, I, I'll just eat it. Whatever, I'll just deal. Um, my wife has an issue with that. Uh, my brother doesn't like that. But like, like that's just that's just me. Like I don't. I, I, I get anxiety for other people. So is it because uh, you watched a movie waiting or something like that, and you're afraid they're going to go give you like some extra quote Parmesan cheese and stuff like that? <laughs> I mean, I did see that and uh, have discussed that many times with my wife, who worked in uh, in restaurants uh, in college, and she's also a hospitality major. So she's worked in hotels, so I know how that is. Uh, I'm also an over tipper. So like, I'm just like, that's just how I am. I'm not trying to weird flex or whatever, but like, that's just how I am. So I went through it and no, you know, the saying no good deed goes unpunished. Um, as I'm walking out of the car, uh, the lid pops off and I get coffee, hot coffee all over my hand. Ooh, oh geez. yeah. It was brutal. But anyway, um, <laughs> but on the positive, I hope you guys check out uh, my deep dive on Devontae Smith. I spoke to a couple of former GMs. I talked to Andy Weidel, the Eagles head of player personnel. Um, Joe Panunzio, the assistant special teams coach who was at Alabama with Devontae Smith. Spoke to a bunch of his teammates. Really got a full story of Devontae Smith at Alabama you know, during the draft process and then so on and so forth and what he's doing now. Um, I hope you check that out. It's pinned to my uh, Twitter account, uh, my Twitter page. Uh, In case you don't follow me on Twitter, that's at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. Check it out. Uh, 20 to 25. I think it's the the longest story that I've like feature I've written since I've been here uh, on the Eagles beat. So I hope you check it out. Really enjoyed writing it. I mean, you know, it, it's very rare that you get 10 people to talk about a player and they all kind of 
have something really interesting to say. And so I hope you guys check that out. Um, but let's Definitely get into do. this. Yeah, let's get into this stuff right now. So um, we didn't do a podcast immediately after Washington just because news kind of trickled down right away. Then Nick Sirianni got put on the COVID-19 list. Uh, the Eagles put LaRaven Clark on the COVID list as well. We're, we're recording this Thursday morning. Um you know, it's almost inevitable that more names will be added to the list. Uh, right now, it's three offensive linemen, Andre Dillard and Landon Dickerson, who was who were put on the list before the Washington game, and now LaRaven Clark. Um, but the, the moral of the story is Washington was absolutely dominated by the Eagles offensive line, um, who ran for 238 yards. Uh, they are the first team since the 1985 Chicago bears to have seven straight games of 175 or more rushing yards. Um, that streak started against the Detroit Lions. They are now five and two in this time frame. They're also outscoring uh, teams by over a hundred. Uh, they've, I think they've outscored opponents by like a com- over a combined a hundred points. So uh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty, pretty good. Um, look, there's not a lot to get in this Washington game because you know there were a lot of guys missing. They were missing Kendall Fuller, their best cornerback. They were missing their top two quarterbacks. They had Gary Gilbert in there, who had been with the team for like five days. Which, by the way, I spoke to some players after the game. They were impressed by Gilbert. They didn't think he was the reason why they lost. They thought he played very, very well. You also had Antonio Gibson suffer a toe injury in the game. Landon Collins suffered an injury. Their second best corner, William Jackson, who was traveling with Devontae Smith, also suffered an injury. So, like, it's one of those where, cool, they won. You can throw out the tape. Move on. Because whatever's going to happen in two weeks is not going to be reflective of this game. I think the same can be said for this upcoming Giants game, right? Where you're not expecting Jalen Hurts to throw four or, or, or the offense to have four turnovers. You're not, you know, that was the, I believe that was the first lost fumble of Boston Scott's career. Jalen Hurts has never had three interceptions otherwise. I think he's only had like two other multiple interception games. So, um, Look, I think the Eagles are are in a good spot, but let's get into Nick Sirianni and the the switch up as I've gone on this diatribe. Uh, so, Chris, fill us in on what's going to happen if Nick Sirianni can't be in the game. Basically, right now you're looking at Kevin Patul taking over as the acting slash interim head coach, and he's going to be making the decisions such as the when it comes to coin toss, like which which end of the end zone to defend, whether to defer, kick or receive. And he's also probably going to be the one that's going to be looking at challenge, like deciding to challenge all, all the stuff that the head coach normally does. Now we all know that Sirianni also access the play caller. Well, if he's not able to do that, it's going to onus is going to fall on Shane Steichen, who will basically do what he's been doing as well too. Cause, and I think that's the best way to go for the Eagles, especially when you look at Steichen's the one who he already knows how to, play cards already lined up and you also know he's the one that's already talking to Jalen Hurts getting a play in so you're not affecting that aspect of the game and overall I think this is the best way for the Eagles to keep Petulo in that head coach role the overseer role because you're just like an offensive line where you don't want to shift too many people around and you worry about continuity you don't want to do that with your coaching staff as well too because they're the ones that 
talk. They have the better relationship. They know how to talk, deal with the certain players. They know what to look for in specific things. So I think overall, having Patulo assume that role that Sirianni usually does when it comes to the administrative stuff is perfect. And also, he's known Sirianni for a very, very long time. I mean, they've been they coach together with the Indianapolis Colts. It's not like Patulo is a neophyte when it comes to the football. He's been coaching in the NFL for a very long time. He spent time with the Jets. He spent time with the Chiefs. And he's been a, he was a co- even a college quarterback, so he's he he has a good understanding of the game. He'll be able to still help out and give that overseer role when it comes to the passing game because he's the passing game coordinator. So overall, it, it was a smart decision to make him the guy instead of say switching Jamal Singleton, who is the assistant head coach, bumping him up to the interim head coach, and then having somebody else coach the running backs. Yeah, and look, I, I think Kevin Petullo is a guy that is very, very interesting. I, I spoke to um, uh, – oh, man, just had a complete brain fart there. Um, spoke to Zach Pascal, who worked with uh, Nick Sirianni and Kevin Petullo in Indianapolis – Kevin Petullo is very smart about understanding the position of quarterback and wide receiver from both different angles, which I think is really important with play calling, decision making, fourth down arrangements. Um, I also think he can help out kind of with everybody else's, you know, job responsibilities, right? I, I think while Shane Steichen would call plays and Kevin Petullo will hand, handle like the big decisions. I think Jamal Singleton will also be heavily involved. I just don't think they want to get into like the intricacies of everything, but I totally understand the decision. Um, I think Shane Steichen is more than prepared for this job. He's been uh, very heavily involved in the play calling to begin with. Um, I don't think, I don't think this is a massive ordeal, especially because Nick Sirianni is going to be involved in all the prep uh, leading up to the game. He was involved in their previous work heading into this game. They were able to get a lot of stuff done before the Washington game because of the quick turnaround. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is a massive deal. I do think if you start seeing assistant coaches adding to the, the list, maybe that could be a problem. But I also think that's why Kevin Petula makes so much sense as the replacement because if he goes down, okay, cool, the next step is to just make Shane Seichen the, the, the head coach. You're giving yourself, like, breathing – or Jamal Singleton. You're giving yourself breathing room so you're not forced to have a guy who's got a position group – add more responsibility to his plate, if that makes sense. Um, Let's get into this Giants game because, you know, as much as the Eagles have been dealing with a lot of stuff, the Giants have dealt with a lot of stuff since their matchup in Week 12. Uh, Daniel Jones will not be playing for the rest of the season. He suffered a neck injury early in the first matchup uh, between the Eagles and the Giants, but played the entire game. The Giants have shut him down now that they're 4-10. and Uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. So the Eagles will draw either Mike Lennon, who has been an abject disaster since taking over, or they'll have a uh, second year quarterback, Jake Fromm, who played his first snaps of his career last week, looked okay in a hurry up offense with, you know, with the game kind of out of hand, but uh, I'm not expecting a lot from him. This has the makings of a Ben DiNucci type matchup. That said, I don't think the Eagles will be taking anyone lightly in this game just because I, I think the loss to the Giants, while it could end up hurting them if they lose a game down this three game stretch, uh, 
is notable. I think from a mentality standpoint, this Eagles team knows that they have to finish, right? Like they know that like we saw it against Washington, they were down 10 nothing and then immediately took over and it clicked and they dominated the rest of the game. Uh, I think the Eagles are in position to run down the throats of, of the Giants. I also think, you know, they've got some injuries in the secondary. They've got some some movement at linebacker. Like, I think they'll be able to move the ball pretty well. Um, what's your take on the Giants? Yeah, you know, um, especially that you mentioned that that quarterback situation right now is, is – it's not borderline. It is a dumpster fire when you look at what do you have going on. Glennon is just – I still don't know for the life of me. I know he had those good years in Tampa Bay, but I don't – I think there are way better backup quarterback options that are out there and to have him be the guy that you have as your QB too, I don't know. But for the Eagles' sake, I think they're probably hoping that he stands there as compared to Fromm because – Either way, to me, Fromm is more mobile than Glennon, and Glennon is basically a statue that helps. That's going to help that pass rush a little bit more. But no matter who's the guy that's back there, I'm concerned about how they're going to try to control Evan Ingram. And I know Ingram's not hasn't had hasn't progressed to that next level. I mean, he's still one of the top tight ends, but I think when people saw what he was capable of, they thought he'd be one of the top two or three tight ends in this league, and he hasn't been that way. But when you have backup quarterbacks in there. Tight ends become their safety net, and tight ends have been kryptonite for the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles, I think, I want to say they're actually the worst, if not the second worst, when it comes to the amount of receptions in yards that they allow to tight ends, mainly because they play those safeties back and they don't want to give anything deep. So that allows tight ends to roam around in, in the under section. So um, this is a game where – I'm a little worried about how the Giants use Ingram to attack them, but I think this is going to be one of the things where you're going to need, you're going to need Alex Singleton and you're going to need T.J. Edwards to if they're if the Giants decide to go in the middle of the field with Ingram to play very well, and then you're going to need your safeties. You're, you you may have to rely on Rodney McLeod to play well in pass coverage. Marcus Epps, I, to me personally, I think this is a game where you play a lot more Marcus Epps to go head up against uh, Evan Ingram. But I think that's the key. If you can slow down Evan Ingram in this game offensively, I think the Eagles do well. And defensively, I think the Eagles do well. And then I think when you look at the defense, the Giants to to defeat them, especially on a short week, keep it simple. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Keep that clock running. Don't give them any hope. Assert your physical dominance and leave out there with a win. Yeah, I think uh, if this happened during Cowboys week or maybe the week after against Washington, I think I would be a tad concerned about Nick Sirianni being around. But I do think the Giants, like if they can't beat the Giants, even with, you know, with Nick Sirianni out, I I just really kind of don't know what what to say, really. Um, Looking at the rest of the playoff field, to simplify it, really – you gotta, you know, Minnesota's gonna play the Rams this week, and then they play the Packers. Realistically, they could lose both those games. If they lose both those games, the Eagles have wiggle room to lose a game. Um, the Saints are gonna actually start Ian Book, the rookie, uh, I think he was a day two pick, um, against the Dolphins uh, this week. Um, if the Saints lose to the Dolphins, and the Eagles win two of the next three, and and Minnesota loses, you know, here's the thing. The Eagles need Minnesota to, to have one less win than them because they own the strength of schedule tiebreaker. So they can't have the same record and the Eagles make the playoffs. Um, 
the Eagles own the tiebreaker over the Saints, so they can have the same record. So really, if you want to simplify it, if Minnesota loses the next two games and the Saints just lose one game of the three, the Eagles can afford to lose one game of the next three. Um, But then again, you want to control your own destiny. So I think, you know, a, a Rams win over the Vikings, an Eagles win over the Giants, a Saints loss to the Dolphins, and you're starting to feel very, very good um, about the future for this Eagles team in the playoffs. Uh, let's kind of talk about where we're at on that playoff push. Do you think the where, where they're positioned now? Do you think the Eagles make the playoffs? I really think they do. I mean, you, you oh, mentioned, they've come around, huh? I, I think they do. Well, I think uh, I thought they were going at seven, so I, I'm shocked they're even in this spot. But looking at the way that the final schedules are shaping up and how teams are being impacted by this COVID thing, I mean, we mentioned the Vikings, you mentioned the Rams, then they have to go against the Packers, and the Packers basically could be playing, looking to clinch the one seed in that game against the Vikings. And oh yeah, the Vikings will have to go to Lambeau Field. So I'm, I think you got those two losses there. I'm really – I think it's really going to come down to that second watch game. I think the Eagles – the Eagles will win, and it's going to come down – I'm calling it right now. That game – that final game against the Cowboys is going to be flexed, and we're going to be in a similar position where we were in last year where the Cowboys have nothing to play for this time, and the Eagles are going to be basically playing to win and get in on a Sunday night. And I look at that, especially if you have a bunch of backups in there, I think the Eagles win that. The only loss I see the Eagles having is potentially that second uh, Washington game because Taylor Heineke, he's coming. He's he got activated off the COVID nineteen list uh, today, actually. So I think that you'll see him. He'll, he'll be ready to go, and I think they were at Washington will have a lot more players available, and that could be a tough game down there. But yeah, I think overall, Washington. I think they get that. Not to job, but I do think Washington yeah. is kind of the t- determination whether they're making the playoffs or not. Like right, like I think. You beat the Giants, or you lose to the Giants, and the Vikings lose, and the Saints lose. You're still in really good shape. You just have to win one of the two and hope the Vikings lose to the Packers. But if you lose to Washington, you have you're one and three in the division, um, and I believe then Washington is two and three in the division, or or two and two in the division. So you kind of well, no, actually, if if they lose to Dallas this week, they're basically done. Um, yep. which so, is very possible. Well, yeah, it's very Cowboys possible. Look, that. Yeah. Dallas wants to compete for that number one seed. They want that buy. And at worst, they want the number two seed so that they can have home field advantage until the NFC title game. So they're going to continue to play. Um, now, if, if Green Bay clinches, you know, wins two straight, beats the Vikings, clinches the number one seed, and the Cowboys can only get that number two seed and they lock in that number two seed, then they might not play that last week, like you said. So it's very interesting. I do – I'm a little bit more hesitant to say they'll make the playoffs than I probably was before. Um, I said that they'd go 9-8 and from the jump. I said that during training camp. I said it during uh, the preseason. I have been pretty consistent about that. Um but I didn't have them making the playoffs. I thought they would be the eighth seed in the NFC. So I, I don't see them winning three straight here. Like, I, I just don't see it. So I think Minnesota has to lose two in order for the Eagles to make the playoffs. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, but anyway, wrapping it up, let's let's do our score predictions for this game. 
Looking at this game, I think it's going to be a lot closer than I people agree. are going to think. Like, I think it's going to think like, oh, well, even if Fromm or Glennon doesn't matter who, it's going to be one of those games where I think everybody's waiting till about the middle of the fourth quarter. I probably say the Eagles run game is going to do enough to wear down the Giants and, and that close pos- and, uh, and win the time of possession battle. And I think I think it's something like I'm going with 24-23. I think it's going to be that close. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have it as 24-16. I think it's going to be a one-touchdown game. I, I I just – the trick here is to get over 23 points in, in this game. That's how you win this game. Um, if the Eagles hit 30, there's absolutely no way I see the Giants even – coming close uh the giants have scored over 30 points i believe just twice during joe judge's tenure so um what i want to say is you know i hope everybody has a happy and healthy uh new year and christmas i mean we'll talk to you before the new year but um the reactions and feedback that you guys have given us this year uh, and the last couple of years with chris on board have been terrific. Um, we truly value you guys listening to us and reading our, our articles and everything. Um, uh, we're big believers in, in doing right by you guys as an audience and giving you the facts and the news that you guys deserve and covering this team from the way uh, both fans and uh the job calls for. So um, just wanted to extend my thoughts and my well wishes. Uh, You can sign up for Eagles extra two weeks free as we get into this draft season after this playoff run potential playoff run uh nj.com slash text um and then you can also download the no huddle show podcast wherever podcasts are available chris did you want to add anything well i'm looking forward to it. the next podcast is going to be number 400 for the no huddle show i'm looking forward to that and can't believe like when you just look at the people who's done this beforehand it's just the continuing to bring this Eagles coverage. I've had a lot of fun with working along with you, with, with you as well too, doing this podcast. And I want to share that sentiment that you mentioned earlier about everybody listening, who anybody who's listening to this podcast, anybody who's reading our stuff. It, it, we, tr- we truly do really appreciate it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Some great conversations, random stuff is always good. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. And looking to four to 400, man. So for Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you soon.